Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. having to re-record this episode because of a little whoopsie-doodle on my part. Hi. Uh, I want to start off by apologizing. Uh, Russ is sounding a little rough, and I think I might be too. My throat certainly feels dry. It's because we almost died yesterday. We did almost die yesterday. We went to Pack South in San Antonio, and there's a Chinese restaurant in San Antonio that I love, Golden Walk. If you're in that area, go to Golden Walk. Great food. Uh, we were there with my friend Anna, so it was the three of us. Anna wanted spring rolls. We got spring rolls. Along with spring rolls come a variety of dipping sauces, including a nice yellow mustardy looking one. Yeah, a honey mussy, if you will. So Anna and Russ are having a conversation, and I take this very nice spring roll, and I dunk it in this honey mussy, uh, and I take a bite, and my life ends. Because despite its yellow color, this stuff is pure wasabi. I like a little wasabi. Complete wasabi. I like a little wasabi. Uh, fire spread through my sinuses and my brain, and my throat shut off. I could not breathe. I could not swallow. My throat just said, nope, that's an invading enemy. No entrance allowed. I have this all in silence while the two of them are still chatting. I am ha- undergoing a crisis. Finally, spit the wad into a napkin and start coughing <laughs> to try and open up my airways again. While I'm undergoing this crisis, Russ grabs a spring roll and dips it in the honey mussy. I had dipped. I had already dipped. I was going to waste <laughs> the food if I didn't go ahead and try it. When I start coughing, the two of them look at me to try and figure out what's wrong. And I'm trying to explain that was a mistake. That, right? Don't, don't. Don't you... I'm pointing at his fork full of... Don't you... No! <laughs> and Russ had to find out yeah. what it was like. I had to see what it was like. And it was... Um, it had made me hoarse today. <laughs> it was real bad. Yeah. It was... Anna was smart. They t- dipped a finger and went... Oh, yeah. Like, no. Oh, yeah. That's wasabi. No. That's just wasabi. That's wasabi. I don't know why it's not green. It's just wasabi. Uh so, I, I apologize for any vocal quality, but you're not here to so listen visit, to us. visit Golden Walk in San Antonio, but do not eat the honey mussy. Take the home on the RNG challenge. <laughs> We're going to go viral. Go to Golden Walk in San Antonio and just shoot it. Yeah. We're going to be internet famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, we are here today to talk about Fantasy Star 2. Again, 
because we just filmed this whole video and we're filming it again. Yay. Which means we're just warmed up. We did, That was a good warm up. It was a good warm up. So we'll start as we always start with personal history. So unlike most of the games that we talk about on this series, I have almost no personal history with this game. My first introduction to Fantasy Star was Fantasy Star 4, also known as The Good One. Um, and I went back and played uh, Fantasy Star 1 through 3 after Fantasy Star 4. And for anyone who's played the series, I think it is needless to say, um, was disappointed overall. Um, I had tried to play this game once before this review and gave up very quickly. Um, yeah, so that is my personal history. So, as is so often is the case with these, uh, I have no personal history with it, so I did a little bit of research here. Uh, it was released on the Sega Genesis in 1989. It was the first video game to use a 6 megabit cartridge, meaning that it was the biggest video game on any console at that point in history. So, it is historic in a way. We'll talk about now the ways in which it's infamous. And as always, I have prepared a brief summary of the story. It better be as good as Chrono Trigger, or I'm going to turn over this table that you can't see in front of us. Um, an accident at a fair, a thousand years <laughs> after the first game, the world of Algo has been transformed with the help of an AI named Mother Brain. But now, monsters are appearing, and the spirits of men are turning dark. And it's up to our heroes to investigate why. So one correction. Algo is the star system. The planet is Motavia. A thousand years after the first game, the star system of Algo has been... But... Uh, <laughs> From Fantasy Star 4, I know and remember enough about the lore to know that this takes place uh, mostly on the planet Motavia, which is a desert planet that is being terraformed. By Mother Brain. By Mother Brain, yes. But not the Mother Brain you're thinking of. You can't fool my super brain. Nobody loves me. No, not the good Mother Brain no. from the cartoon Captain Inn. Voiced by Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops. I know this because he was also the voice of Audrey 2 in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay. And it's basically the same character. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So, Russ... Speaking of characters... Speaking of characters, this game has the best cast of characters that I've ever played in an entire RPG. I mean, they are completely terrible and uninteresting. Uh, the most interesting thing about the characters in Fantasy Star 2 is the way that they join your party. Oh, yeah. So, at various points in the game, after, after specific story sequences in the game... You, your main hero, you can go home to his home in the first town that you start out in, go to his house, and find that someone has broken in. Pretty much. And then they join your party. Yep. 
You get uh, so, a nurse and a biologist, mm-hmm. and you uh, get uh, yeah, you get a nurse. You get a nurse. The the mo the the only real memorable things about the characters are how useful they are in battle, and it is like a descending scale <laughs> from the first one that joins you. The first one is this mercenary guy named like Rudolph, and he can use really heavy guns and do spread shots and things like that. He's very useful in battle. Then you get Amy, the doctor. And those are pretty much the most useful characters that you're going to get in the but game. But what about the thief? And the thief. The thief joins you last. The thief um, absolutely sucks in battle. I don't remember her name, except that she's a palette swap of the doctor. And her only useful skill is that if you walk into like a weapon or armor shop with her and your party, she will randomly steal something from the shop. And you can get... There's like one weapon that you can get that's really expensive or can't be bought otherwise i think it's just like a really expensive weapon and you can get it for cheap by just like walking in and out of a weapon shop with her um and there's like two guys one of them is good at fighting biologic monsters so so he's strong in the first half of the game she's strong in the first half of the game and there's another guy who's like a mechanic and he is good at fighting um ro- like robotic synthetic monsters and he's good in the back half of the game yeah and well i'll talk about that and neither of them later, are but... really good but they have like a they have a specialty and they're just palette swaps of each other they're, yeah but it's interesting that they're basically designed to be useless for half the game right. and then semi-useful for <laughs> yeah. the other half yeah. and i want to i really want to give you guys an idea of the flow that we're talking about here uh, one thing Fantasy Star 2 does well is pointing you towards your next objective. It's pretty decent at it. So, you go into a town, you wander all over the map, and you get to the next town, and they say, we were just attacked by bandits. They went off to the west. And you say, great. And in any other game, you go off to the west to fight the bandits. In Fantasy Star, what you then do is say, thank you for telling me that, stranger. I'm going to go home... For no reason, mm-hmm. find somebody that I don't know is waiting there, they'll join my party, then I'll come all the way back, and then I'll go deal yes. with your bandits. I need to go home and meet my new home invader. You never know what and story then... point qualifies for a no. new character. So basically, just randomly from time to time, when you feel something dramatic has happened, you need to go home. Mm-hmm. And you'll pick it. It's the weirdest recruiting method. I guess the good thing about it is, like I said, the two most useful characters you'll get are the first two, so you don't have to really worry about it <laughs> for a lot. You're like, just know that nobody else that breaks into your house is going to be really that strong or great. So, this game actually reminds me a bit of Arcana, uh, in that you get the feeling that somebody in the company somewhere really wanted to tell a good story, but they were only allowed in every other Tuesday. Uh, because it's, you can feel the edges of a good story, but they're kept out of reach for the most part. And there's there's one specific instance that really has stood out to me. Um, let me say this. This is the longest we've gone between playing a game and reviewing a game. Uh, it's just life. Um, and this moment in this game still stands out for me. Like, years from now, as I look back on Fantasy Star 2, this is the moment I'm really going to remember. There is a point in the plot where you cannot cross a bridge because there is a man there demanding an impossible amount of money or your life. So you go to a nearby town, you talk to all the NPCs, and one of the NPCs will mention that 
that guy's daughter was kidnapped by raiders and he's raising money to buy her back cool let me go home oh look i have a companion let me a go after the raiders a home invader <laughs> let me go after the raiders you get the daughter you go back to the guy and now there's this scene she sees her dad and goes running towards him wearing a cloak because she's cold i guess for some reason she doesn't yell daddy and for some reason he doesn't recognize his daughter so as she runs at him he kills her as she falls to the ground i guess her hood falls off and she's revealed and the man realizes he has just slain the daughter he was trying to save and overcome with despair he kills himself and then your characters can go on their journey um but the point is it's convenient do you remember how long this scene takes? Not long. I... 30 seconds. Yeah. I timed it. It is 30 seconds of Papa. What have I done? Done. This is a massive, like, you could get some emotion out of this. You could really work this story point. No. No. Like, get it out of the way as quick as you can and get back to the fight. Get back to the grinding. If we're being honest, I didn't realize any of that was happening. <laughs> I just realized, like, oh, something happened and now I can move on. It was because Thank they, God. they go through it so fast. Like, I am 100% about the story when I'm playing these. And I saw that happen and I was like, how did you take... Like, this this would be an opera. This would be... You could do an entire movie based on this. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. So you can get back to the fight. Mm -hmm. Speaking of fight, do you feel ready to move on to the combat yes. section? Russ... The combat system is a little strange. It's unique. It is unique. Um, the first time I played this game, I was very confused about what to do. The game just defaults to auto battle. The game is really set up for It doesn't grind. default to auto battle. It's built for auto battle. It's built for auto battle. Um, you can select your commands, and then once you collect, select your commands and select fight, your characters will just keep carrying out those same commands until the battle is over until the enemies kill you or you kill the enemies or you press a button and it will stop and let you select new commands but there is no indication in the game that that's actually what you're supposed to do also confusing is that the first time i played this game and got into my very first battle you have two party members you have your main hero and you have his sister wife nay um and you're not my real brother and um nay is uh, a one-year-old mutant yeah she's a one-year-old girl newman who is half monster half human and she is a cat girl and she is your little sister slash housewife um which just makes me realize that that whole problem in anime has been going on since the beginning of anime probably yes um so anyway her default command is defend so the very first time i got into a battle in this game i picked fight and then my main hero started attacking with his sword and then nay just stood there 
And then it just kept going and going and going and going. And I thought, what in the world am I supposed to do? And it took me actually looking up online and learning and understanding how the battle system works um, to realize that I have to set up commands, I have to set up her attack command, and then I actually have to tell the characters to stop fighting. Um, it's not the most intuitive thing. No, it... it I have... An, a, my theory on this game, or my feeling of this game, I should say, is that the game doesn't really want me to be there. They make that story just as quick as possible. Like, let's get through the story. Let's get through the story so we can get to the combat. Let's get to the combat, but you don't need to really do anything. In fact, if you want to do something, it's going to take a while. In fact, in the combat system, you can't target a specific enemy. They will line up multiple enemies, and the AI determines what enemies the actions you select are targeted towards. It's pretty good at it. It's good at it. If, if one character attacks an enemy and it's almost dead, then your next character will attack that enemy to kill it. It does seem to so have an algorithm. Good, yeah, a good AI algorithm. To try and make sure like the maximum number of enemies are defeated per turn. But that should be my job. I'm the player. I should get to say what my characters are going to do instead of having to jump through extra hoops in order to get her. It's just a grind machine. You just hit a button... Or just set up a series of actions and hit a button and go take a nap. Like, it doesn't want me there. It doesn't want me to participate right. in this story or this combat. To its credit, Fantasy Star 4 has a similar system, but Fantasy Star 4 allows... It. This was proto what they would eventually do in the much, much better Fantasy Star 4, where you could set up up to, I want to say like 10 macros to do you could you could okay. pick you could pick commands for characters outside of battle and then you could set them up as macro a macro b macro c and then depending on and it and i swear it went through go like, a go b yeah go a <laughs> go a go d go i a. swear it went through like macro l or something and then depending on the enemy situation i know this isn't a review of fantasy star 4 but depending on the situation of the enemies you were fighting, if you knew what each of your macros were, and it showed you over here on the side of the screen, you could set, say, like, I want to do C now. I want to do E now. So this was the beginning of that, but it would be two more games before they actually made it interesting and fun. Yeah, that sounds like it would be... I'd at least feel more involved in that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's it for combat. It's a short section because it's a one-trick pony. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to add is it does the thing that I hated. Even even Dragon Quest did this in the first Dragon Quest and the first Fantasy Star. Oh, whenever yeah. you got into a battle, there would be a little screen that would show like a little background based on where you were, if you were in a little desert or if you were on a forest or whatever. And then in Dragon Warrior Two slash you know slash Fantasy Star Two, in Dragon Warrior the background is suddenly just black. There is no background. And then in Fantasy Star 2, you're in this weird, like, Tron-like virtual reality... No matter where you are. ...simulator, no matter where you are. If you're in a forest or you're in a desert or in a dungeon, wherever, you're just in this thing that looks like you have gone into a VR simulator of a battle. Um, and it just... It's a thing I don't like. I mean, I know it's probably a budgetary thing and, and the amount of memory on the, on the cart. But this was the biggest game ever made. But, yeah, and they couldn't do that. 
They couldn't put in a little background. That almost sounds like an anti-innovation. So let's so talk we'll about innovations. Innovations. So let's start off by talking about the dungeons. They are massive mazes. Massive. Yes. Worse than Arcana. Or every dungeon. Every dungeon is, like the is worst. worse than the worst dungeon in Arcana. <laughs> right. That one that I did a map of where you have to go like this the whole time. Yes. Uh, they're massive. And it's made worse. And this is, for me... I'm going to spoil my end takeaway. This game's worse than Arcana. And Arcana has, up to this point, been like our worst game. For me, this is worse than Arcana because it doesn't let you control the combat very much and the story is swept in the corner. But you're navigating these massive mazes. This is the one vestige of gameplay you've really got in this game is finding your way through these massive mages, mazes. Every time you get in a combat, which you don't participate in largely. You hit fight or you select commands and hit fight and just watch it happen. When you are then done with that combat, and these combats are typically not like seconds. They, they take a while. Your character is always facing down. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what direction you were looking before the combat began. You're in a massive maze. A combat initiates that by this point the game has trained you not to pay attention to. <laughs> When the combat is over, a minute or two later, your character's facing down, and you think, well, I guess I was going that way. No, no, you weren't. You were going one of the other three directions, and now you're lost in a massive, massive maze. It is the worst. (laughs) It really is the worst. And the worst, worst part of it is that it's not even a first-person dungeon. We're talking about, like, overhead dungeons. Um, I believe you mean an isometric dungeon I crawler. I actually don't mean an isometric dungeon crawler. I do have to... We both have to apologize for embarrassing ourselves. For many, every many review times. that we have done so far that used first-person dungeons for calling them isometric, and I had just pointed out to Jeff earlier in our original review... <laughs> when we reviewed this 20 minutes ago. ...that isometric is like old Fallout. Yes. Isometric is not first person, which is something that he said and then I didn't even think about until very, very and we recently. And kept using it over and over again. Um, so yeah, we've sounded like idiots for a while, yeah. and everybody, it's my fault. Everybody makes mistakes. But we've learned, I like isometric views yes, in video games. but not first, first person. First person dungeon crawlers, I personally do not enjoy i know there's a crowd forum that love them because they're old school and i'm not saying you're wrong i mean there's there are like if you like fantasy star 2 i'm telling you you're wrong but if you like first person dungeon crawlers that's just taste that's just opinion that's fine etrian odyssey is huge they have those persona q games yeah which are the only persona games i couldn't play because i don't like first first person person. dungeon crawlers even persona 1 is a first person dungeon crawler. i know we're gonna have to get through that it's two Two is not only nice. Persona. Only Persona One was first person. Nice. Um, but what yeah, about, what about Two? Two is also not. Okay, yeah. cool. Two and Two are not first person. Fantastic. Uh, now that we're done talking about other games, <laughs> any I would rather be talking about any other game. I know uh, this game is not a first person dungeon crawler. No, it's thankfully. not a first person dungeon crawler, but it is still that's an innovation. 
having the most, it has some of the most complicated mazes, to the point that, um, I don't know about the Japanese version, but when this game was originally released in North America, um, it was $9,200, and every copy came with a complete strategy guide. I, w I can't think of another game that yeah, did that. Yeah, there, there might be one. There Famously? There might be a famous one called Earthbound. <gasps> we should play that sometime. Which is a little game that I've heard of. Do you know, you and I just sat together before this review, mm -hmm. and we mapped out what the... We mapped out future games that right. we were going to play. <laughs> we know what the game for episode 99 is going to be. Like, we mapped all the way out. We never put Earthbound on there. <laughs> then again, I do believe you and I said we were going to keep Earthbound in reserve for after a particularly bad yes, game. Yes, that is exactly what I was going to say, is Earthbound, sort of like our Chrono Trigger review, is whenever I am about to end it all, <laughs> because I'm so frustrated with a bad video game, there's there's a pool there's a pool of games that we can pull out that I know I love and I play over and over. So it's anyway. gonna be qu after Quest sixty four. Yes, we will probably after Quest sixty four play Earthbound. So um, okay, so one thing I always talk about in innovations area because it's a pet peeve of mine is buying equipment. This game does take a half a step forward in that regard when you are buying stuff at the store. Uh, if you try to buy an axe for character Z, it, it will say, character Z can't use axes before you purchase it. Now, it doesn't give you like a list of axes can be equipped by C, D, E, and F. But when you try to throw it in their inventory, it will say, are you sure they can't use that? Which is helpful. But... It doesn't tell you, hey, this gun you're trying to put on character C is weaker than the gun he already has. No, you have no way of knowing. It uses the old school method of usually the more expensive it is, the better it is. But then you have to remember, like, how much did I pay for the last gun that yeah. I bought? And is this more? And then you've got the thief who's stealing stuff willy-nilly. Yeah, that's true. Um, I do want to interrupt to say that characters C and E were my favorite. I ship them so hard. Yeah, me too. Um, the game has four end bosses, which is interesting. Normally, it's two or three. Yeah. It's also interesting given that there aren't really any bosses before that, except for one. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, which, again, I think is just an older... An older uh, Most JRPGs have RPG. bosses, man. I just think like Dragon Quest One really just had the Green Dragon and then the Dragon Lord. That's okay. Well, and uh, the Golem, if you couldn't avoid it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and even like yeah, and even in like the original Final Fantasy, Garland the Four. No, but I'm saying like some boss enemies, like the Vampire and those Mind Flayers, they would then go on to become regular enemies and later. Dungeons. Yeah, but you had Garland and the Four Elementals. You did, yeah. So, um, so it was, yeah, it is odd. Yeah, all right, so I guess we're ready to move on to music. So, Russ, talk to us about the music. The music of this game. The music of this game is the one good thing. 
about this game. I, you know, it had a, it had a catchy little soundtrack. Um, unfortunately, Jeff and I don't know that Not much really. about music. I know video game soundtracks that I really like, such as Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. But I can't even really tell you why I like them, except that I just like them. Um, and I liked this one okay. I mean, it, it served its purpose. It was composed by Tokihiku, Tok, Tokihiko Uwabo, commonly known as Bo, who seems to be pretty famous um, because I don't run in the Japanese composer music circles, unlike, unless it's like Uematsu. Uh, he did um, the first Fantasy Star as well. Yeah, so he worked directly he did, for Sega. He did. He worked directly for Sega. He did Alex Kidd and Miracle World, which is the one game on our list that I'm really kind of familiar with. He did Satellite Seven, Space Harrier One and Two, which I played a little. Space bit Harrier, of. I'm familiar with. Yeah, Afterburner. I don't know what that is. And Fantasy Zone, which I don't think I know what that is. It's either. a little first-person shooter with a colorful ship. No, it's a side-scrolling sh- space shooter. Sure, I don't know. Okay, these are famous early Sega games. Afterburner was particularly famous in the arcades. Um, I was, was not. I was a Nintendo kid. I wasn't a Sega kid. So. It's a. It's a little like Space Harrier in that it's a jet shooting forward and taking down enemies as you're okay. going. Um, but yeah, so we listened to the soundtrack again right before this review because again it's been a little while and uh, it's actually it's good. It's really good. It, it, good. it has the themes of adventure and exploration and tension. Uh, that's completely missing from the story. Uh, it, it has some of the same quality. You can tell, like, if you played Fantasy Star 1 soundtrack and the Fantasy Star 2 soundtrack, you'd be like, yes, that is definitely the same series. Yeah. That, mm. So they are connected tonally, which I appreciate. I guess what I want to say to Uabu-san is... Bosan. Uh, Bosan is good job. You 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 were the one. We approve. You're the one shining good part. <laughs> Speaking of, of shining, game, we should do Shining Force too. We should not do Shining Force. Damn it! You can do Shining Force too. While I dream of making Russ play Shining Force two, let's move on to our final thoughts. <laughs> as you've probably gleaned from the rest of this review, my final thoughts, um, except for the music, are not very high. Um, Like I said at the beginning of this review, I played Phantasy Star 4 and then went back to play the rest of the series and was overall disappointed. I wasn't as disappointed in Phantasy Star 1 because I appreciated that game for um, its for its roots and how it would go on to make such a spectacular game as you know lead to such a great game as Fantasy Star 4. Unfortunately, I feel like in most regards Fantasy Star 2 was kind of a step down from Fantasy Star 1. Um, so overall I'm giving this game a C. Like I said, the music was good, but the combat was boring, the dungeons were long and frustrating, the way that you recruited your party members uh, was very obtuse. Um, and I just can't really give it any higher than that. I was going to give the game a higher score because I know what it will lead to in the future, but to rate this game on its own merits, the C is the best that I can possibly give it. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. This is now officially the worst game we've played as part of this project for me. Um, It beats Arcana. Not by a wide margin, but just by enough. 
Yeah, it is on my list of games I never have to play again. Ever. So, uh, F goes without saying. Why do we have to play Fantasy Star 3? Why can't we just abandon this franchise? It's so bad. That's not fair. The first one, the first one had some interesting elements to it. So, uh, maybe they can redeem themselves. We'll find out. So, Russ, if they want to yes. inflict this game upon themselves, right. how can they do it? You can play this game everywhere. You can play it on the Sega Genesis. You can play it in a collection on the Game Boy Advance. PS4. Or you can play literally every console. Every console has a Sega Genesis collection. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can play this game now. PS4, Switch, PS3, probably Xbox. If you own a video game, PC, you own a video game console, you can play this game. Now, I will say this. Should you? That's up for debate. But you can. I'll say this. Uh, when I was finding a ROM to play so I could capture some footage... Um, I found that there was a hacked ROM out there that quadrupled the amount of XP, doubled the amount of gold, and reduced the encounter rate. I played that version because I had seen stories about how tedious this game was. Everything I've talked about, just how bad this game is, how mind-numbing it is, are from that version. I can't even conceive of what it's like to play the unadulterated version. So, if for some reason you have a need to play this game, I do kind of recommend looking out for that version of the ROM. Anyway. Uh, next up, our, our next episode is going to be our nine-game roundup that we do every tenth episode. So, uh, we'll be talking about some games. It, it's been a while. So, it'll it has be fun to while. look back yeah. at our past. We'll right. see you then. See you next time. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaur productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you. project if like my computer crashed right now yes then home on the rng right. is done it's just done wow i can't talk about this game anymore if this happens even once for live a live we we are on the precipice of termination all right if we can get through this day then home on the rng can continue if we can make it through this day and I don't shit myself. I love the bar you set for yourself. Then this project can continue as a podcast. Like, you know, shitting yourself's not under my control. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Walt, follow you around with a cork? You need to supply me with adult diapers.